Welcome to the Good Courage Podcast. This is Jay Gamlin. This is a little mini podcast where I'm sharing with you some teaching that I had over the weekend on Romans 5 and how suffering is not proof of God's absence, but can be an invitation into the presence of God in our lives and that God does not create suffering, but that God promises to join us and be with us in suffering. And so I invite you to have a good little listen here and I hope it's a help to you. Where, where does hope come from? Where do we get hope? This series, we're talking about planting hope, but where does hope come from? Where do we find it? Where does it come from? I think, I think because we think of hope as a positive thing that we tend to think of receiving hope from positive things. So we see hope when we see good things, when we see happy things, when we see kids out helping and serving like I was on servant tour. When we see these things, we think these are the places, these are the things that give us hope. But our text today has a very different picture and origin story of where hope comes from. I'm focusing on the first text that we heard today, a text that uh, Paul is in writing his letter to the people in Rome. Paul, who probably, probably, we think probably when writing this letter, was in prison and was about to stand before the emperor to, to justify who he was. Prison at the time being a terrible place. Paul was writing this letter to the people in Rome. And he says this, it says, not only this, but I boast in the glory of God. It starts by saying, I boast in the glory of God. I, I, I shout out praise. I give allegiance. I, I hold up the glory of God. Now, the glory of God we think of as sort of like sunshine and rainbows and lasers coming out of Jesus' head. And oh, that's how we think of glory. But the glory actually comes from a Hebrew word, which is chavod. Can you, I love saying that one. Since they're in Israel, we're all going to say it. It goes chavod. Can you say that? Ah, isn't that a great word? Chavod. And it just, and literally chavod literally just means presence. It just means you feel that presence. You feel that nearness to you. The glory of God means it, you, it's tangible, that God is that close that you can feel it. I think of it this way. I can tell a big difference between the difference of me standing in a room by myself and when my wife might be on the couch behind me. I just know she's there. Even if I don't see it, I can feel that presence, that chavod. So it says, I boast in that presence, that nearness of God. I boast and I, I, I lift that up. But then he goes on and makes an interesting turn. He says, but not only that, but I boast in my sufferings. How many of you boast in your sufferings? How many of you go out and say, today was a terrible week. Take that, everybody. I had the worst week ever, and I bet it was worse than yours. We don't think of sufferings as a place to boast. In fact, we probably think of it as the opposite. It's like when we're suffering, we're kind of like, well, where are you, God? And why did you let this happen to me? How, how could you let this thing occur to me? As if we were puppets and that God's like, oh, I'm sorry, I dropped the ball. Let me come help you out. No, Paul says, no, the opposite of this. I boast in my sufferings. I, I declare my suffering. I hold my suffering high for all to see. Why? And then he gives us this pattern. He says, because suffering produces endurance. 
Or another, another translation, suffering produces perseverance. When you struggle, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, when you find that you can live through this, when you can deal with this, when you can walk with it, when you can, when you can hang on to it, that is what suffering can teach us. It's a thing that suffering can do for us. It shows us that we can make it, that it's going to be okay, that we can hang on, that we're not defined by that suffering, but it's showing us how we can live, work, and survive through that. And then it says, and endurance teaches us character. It teaches us something about who we are, how we live, what we can do, what we are capable of. It teaches us who and whose we are. It reminds us that we are children of God. It reminds us of of the people around us. It teaches us the character of the communities that support us. It teaches us the character of those who stood up with us. It teaches us character. And then character produces hope. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance shows us the end of the story is not there, which produces character, reminding us who we are. And character produces hope. It gives us something to hope for. You see, hope is often born out of suffering. You probably don't believe me, right? You're like, ah, sure, Pastor. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. My wife and I, when we got married, we had two honeymoons because she's the beach girl and I'm the mountain guy. So we went on first honeymoon right after we got married. We went down to Key West. We stayed in bed and breakfast. We ate shrimp. I swear to you, the shrimp were about this big. I'm not exaggerating. They were this big. I mean, you had to take four or five bites to get through a shrimp. I saw trained cats. I still remember it. 26 years later, it was the most amazing thing. I've never, I didn't know you could train a cat, but they were jumping through fires and like doing what dogs do, but cats, it was amazing. We had a great time. It was a lovely time, but that was her honeymoon. Then we were going to have my honeymoon. My honeymoon was I was going to take her for three days on the Appalachian Trail and two days of whitewater rafting afterwards. And so we did all the things that we were supposed to do. We got a new backpack, got our new boots. We practiced hiking in them, put the backpack on. We walked around. We cooked some stuff over a campfire to practice to see what that tasted like and felt like. And I had everything planned out exactly how we want. It was going to be June in the beautiful hills of North Carolina. And I I said, oh, we're going to start here. And we're going to go up to this place called Unica Mountain, which the top is this beautiful hemlock forest. And we're going to have lunch in this hemlock forest. And then we're going to come down. And that night, we're going to stay at a place is called Beauty Spot, and it's called Beauty Spot because it's beautiful. It's and in North Carolina because the mountains are a little shorter than they are in Colorado. Uh, there's often trees on the tops of the mountains there because it's below the tree line. But Beauty Spot was a natural bald, they called it, which meant you could camp on the top of the mountain and there's nothing around you. And so you got this beautiful 360-degree view, and you could see down into the lights of Johnson City, Tennessee, and right along the edges were fresh blueberry bushes that you could just walk out and pick. Fresh. It's just it's a great spot to camp. I've camped there many, many times. Love that spot. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. So we get to the trailhead, and it's about 48 degrees and raining. And in my wisdom, I was thinking, well, we're going to, we want lunch on the top of Unica Mountain, which means that we started at the bottom, which meant that we had about a four-hour uphill hike to get to the top. And we get up there, and we're wet, and we're cold and we're miserable. And I turn around 
And my wife is already starting to cry a little bit. <laughs> so I made magic peanut butter, which is a peanut butter with honey and sunflower seeds and, and all the good stuff in there and had bagels. And I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to love it. We're gonna, and, and so we eat. I'm like, but wait till tonight. Wait till we get to Beauty Spot. You're going to love it. And so we, we finished our hike up. We ended up on Beauty Spot. And it's just one giant cloud. So I'm sort of like, behold, beauty spot. And we can't see 10 feet outside of our tent. It's just one giant cloud. And so we decide just to put the day to rest. We cook, we eat, go to bed. About 2 AM, I hear, my eyes open up. And I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, and then I see the lights flicker on the sides of the, the tent, and I hear boom. And I turn over, and my wife's eyes are wide open like this. And I'm like, honey, there's a lightning storm coming our way, and we're on a bulb with aluminum poles. <laughs> we have to leave now. So we took our camping gear, threw it into the tent, unstaked the four corners. I picked up the front. She picked up the front. We turned downhill and into the woods we went as fast as we could. Just got off the top of the hill and landed back down in the low-lying brush, which is where you want to be. Not under tall things, but low-lying brush. So we went down about 300 yards, set the tent back up, sat underneath it, listened to the thunderstorm, the, the things. My wife's just freaked out. So I'm trying to sing to her. I'm trying to tell her stories, something about frogs and tadpoles and princesses, just trying to distract her from everything that's going on. Until finally she fell asleep. The, the, the rest of the honeymoon went fine, but it was an auspicious start. Now, if you were to ask my wife which honeymoon she would prefer, which do you think she would answer? You think the first, right? The second, right? The second. Why? When you go through suffering, when you go through something that's hard, you're going to quickly learn about yourself. You're going to learn what's important. You're going to learn what's important and necessary. In that moment, she learned that we were going to take care of each other. We weren't up there thinking about our mortgage and our job and visa bills. We were thinking about each other and how we're going to care for each other and walk with each other. And we learned that, that that moment passes and we had a great rest of the time. It taught us about who we were in our relationship together. It taught us that we're going to make it, that we're going to be okay. And when things get hard, we'll be there for each other and we won't turn on each other. We're going we're gonna to walk with each other. And this gave us hope. Hope in our relationship with each other. Hope in how we were going to do. See, the gift of suffering is it strengthened our relationship. Last night when I preached this sermon, I had several people tell me outside. Who said, one said, when our daughter was born and she was in the NICU for three weeks, me and my husband were never closer than those three weeks. On several of the trips that I go on, like we just got back from servant tour, some of the best things that happen to us is when things go wrong and things are hard and it teaches that group what matters and how they're going to come together and what we value and how this is going to be who we are. You see, suffering doesn't point us in the wrong direction. It can actually point us in the right direction because it reminds us what's important and how we're to grow, and it strips away all the other nonsense and tells us what we are about. You see, suffering is beautiful. 
It's beautiful. In fact, I think that sometimes we think of suffering as the absence of God, but I would say that suffering is welcoming us into the presence of God, the chavod of God, the glory of God. I mean, if you think about it, the story of Jesus isn't one about avoiding suffering. It isn't about avoiding hardship. It isn't one about avoiding the difficult things. There's a reason why we have a cross in our sanctuary, a sign of capital punishment and suffering, because we recognize the resurrection means nothing if there isn't a sign of suffering and pain. It's a reminder that the story of God isn't one where, where everything's sunshine and roses and that God is only going to reward good things and punish bad things. No, God reminds us that no matter where we go, God is with us, especially in our suffering, especially when we are struggling. That is where God can become most present for us, that it is through the cross that we have a resurrection. What would the resurrection mean if nobody died? Nothing. So we have this sign here to remind us that suffering is a part of life. It's a part of where we are. None of us get to avoid it. And let me be clear. God doesn't create suffering. God doesn't make you suffer to try to teach you a lesson. God isn't trying to say, I'm going to give you cancer to try to teach you something today. That's not our God. That's not our God. We don't need God's help creating suffering. We're fine doing that all by ourselves. Right? God doesn't give us suffering. But what God promises is this. Where shall I flee from the presence of God? If I go to the highest mountain, you are there. If I go to the depths of Sheol, the depths, the place of the dead, you are there. God doesn't promise us sunshine and roses. God promises us presence, that God will be with you in hard and in good, on mountains and in valleys. So where do we find suffering? Where do we plant hope? Where do we speak hope? often where there's suffering. This week we had, we had what happened. We had the joy of the Nuggets winning a championship. Woot, right? And then that night, alcohol and guns do not mix. And now 10 people, nine people, I don't remember what, I don't know what the latest number is, are traumatized. They're hurt. They're suffering. They're feeling pain. They're probably going to deal with this for the rest of their life. They're going to be scarred for the rest of their life because of one moment's impulsive, rash decision. They're going to suffer the rest of their lives. And if I could say anything to any of those people, I would say this. Hang on. Hold on. The end of this story isn't that suffering. It isn't that trauma. It isn't that pain. That's not the end of the story. Endure, persevere, hang on, and look to see the people and the ways in which God will show up for you in this, and the people helping you, and the doctors walking with you, the nurses, the staff, the people who bring you meals, the people who hug you, the people who love you, the people who care for you. Learn from that. Endure and then see that the character that this can develop in yourself, that you don't need to develop out of rage and anger and fear. You can, you can actually begin to develop compassion and joy, and you can learn new things about you. And that, the end of that story, is the story of hope. And hope, as Paul says, does not disappoint. That, that is the gift that I would give that person because it's the story of God. God, God is not one where it's all sunshine and rainbows. God is the one who takes messes and turns them into miracles. That's what God does. 
I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're on a mountain today and you're excited and thrilled and feeling great and joyful and day when you're celebrating people in your life or if you're struggling or if you're in suffering or if you're in the depths of Sheol. I don't know if you're wrestling with the voices of depression and addiction, loneliness, isolation, grief. I don't know where you are. All I would say is this. Take off your shoes, for you are on holy ground, because that is the place where Christ meets you and walks with you and promises to be with you. And that, that gives us all hope. Amen? you'll pray with me. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, on paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out in good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. In the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen.